0: It's a Jackalope Carnival. Jack, Jack, Jackalope.
1: Jackalope Carnival.
0: Hi, I'm Becca. Hi, I am Eric.
1: And you're listening to Jackalope Carnival, a sideshow of stories, a bi-weekly podcast where we explore the paranormal, the unusual, and the downright odd.
0: Here, Becca, I'm I'm trying something new. Can you listen to something for me?
1: Sure. Uh, what? Ah,
0: Yes, that means the rabbits will be here on Tuesday with knives.
1: Oh, mm-hmm. hmm. how
0: yeah. about this one? Ready? Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, well, I think you got that one.
0: Ah, good, excellent, and that was me saying that Manny's tastes worse when left out overnight.
1: And what language is this exactly? This is Bigfoot. Ah, uh, yeah. So that makes sense because today we're exploring Bigfoot.
0: So like last night I I sent you that video. Did did you did you listen to it? By the way, about um,
1: I saw enough, and we're I'm going. I'll let you talk about this (laughs) later. I'm gonna y'all thank me. Everyone who's listening is gonna thank me um, for just pushing past what he's about to tell us. So we're gonna explore Bigfoot today, and Bigfoot is one of many hairy humanoid cryptids that have inhabited human myths in many different eras, in many cultures, and under many names. And while they have different names, here in the United States, they're commonly known as Bigfoot, the exceptionally tall, wild humanoids of the dense, dark woods with their trademark large feet. Yeah, Bigfoot, that, with the large feet, that's a stretch in name. <laughs> Where do they come from? Who has seen them? Do they exist? Hopefully, we'll give you some answers. Um, We'll let you take away some questions and then really bad puns, probably mostly Eric, on this episode of Jackalope Carnival. (laughs) So... The archetype of the wild man of forests has seems to have been with humanity since our early you know, journey as humans, as we formed tribes and cities and networks and civilizations. Some scholars even believe them to be a distant genetic link to our past, with speculation that they're either physically or symbolically neanderthals there's actually a book on this and it's called still living yeti sasquatch and the neanderthal enigma and it was published in 1983 by myra Shakely. it looks into this question and i really want to read it i couldn't get a hold of it <laughs> <laughs> um
0: is it still in print
1: well it is and at least at the library i looked at it, it was there oh wow um, so, You know, this this topic has so much to it, right? (laughs) This topic is just...
0: Of the things we've covered so far, I'd say this is the easiest to research. And there were so many different ways we could have taken this.
1: You know what? Honestly, I felt like because there was so much, it was a little more difficult because you just spent hours reading and it's like, I don't know what that got me. But it did get me to know that there are many ways of looking at Bigfoot. So one of them, yeah, definitely like maybe this is some sort of Neanderthal that they're left over.
0: Or they're, sometimes I ran into something that said, um, was talking about Gigantopithecus.
1: I heard that. Which is
0: another hominid um, yes. that lived in Asia.
1: So, you know, maybe there's some sort of not evolved, uh, they didn't, you know, Become modern human, as I'm not saying that I think Neanderthal became modern human. I mean, we have, we carry Neanderthal DNA. So others are looking into Bigfoot and. They see that there's other wild man figures going, especially in Europe, that they're related to our collective unconscious. To use the Jungian term here, the shadow figure, the collective unconscious. I figured it would. Yeah, but these figures, you know, they live freely in the wild. They embody our more, quote unquote, primal, primitive natures. And this is especially fit with these European interpretations. So you have, you know, Hearn, the hunter of Celtic lore, although he's, you know, got antlers. You have the medieval Englishman of the woods, the German Wildermann, or the French L'homme Sauvage. And we can go on and on because really many different European cultures, and especially regions, are going to have their own version of this idea of the wild man.
0: Wildermann? Yeah. <laughs> <Build their money. laughs> build their
1: and he probably does he's you know but for now i want to focus on north america I, I can tell you that we will probably look into this again i would probably like to look into these wild man figures but in north america we don't really look at bigfoot quite like that and i've heard and read a lot of accounts that say that Bigfoot stories start after a sighting that happened of some footprints in 1958. Eric's going to tell us about that in just a second. And while that may be when the term Bigfoot was coined, and Bigfoot came to be this gentle slash angry ape-like creature we now know and love, the history of Long-haired people living away from human society is much older than that.
0: In Northern California?
1: In North America. Yeah, in Northern California, in North America. So Canada, all along the coast. I in had a nephew
0: who was well. a, a long-haired um, person in California for a while.
1: I have a nephew who actually is a long-haired person in California.
0: There you go. All right.
1: So tell us a little bit about this 1958 sighting.
0: Right. So wait Ray Wallace is the man you're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. and he lived from 1918 to he just died in 2002 and he was a logger he's a guy who liked to pull pranks on people and the, the image of him doing so is actually pretty funny to me because one of the things he did is he like carved out these these enormous joke feet and then strapped him to his own feet and then he just walked around northern california basically just to like yank people's chains and I don't know that he was, I, I have no idea if he was, he had a, any coherent idea that he was trying to spread some story about the wild sure man. I'm sure he did. You I'm absolutely
1: so? sure. He was living in the, yeah, the Pacific Northwest. Absolutely. Ooh, he had that's heard a good of point.
0: It. And yeah, so the, he was doing this just for his own amusement. He was just, he was that guy. Fun loving fellow. In 1958, a fellow by the name, a journalist by the name of Andrew Genzoli. Uh, was writing for the Humboldt Times, and what this article in the Humboldt Times did was connected these footprints, I think, to the larger lore of the area. Even though, um, by all accounts, uh, Ray Wallace's footprints weren't terribly convincing, they were kind of, you know, I guess amongst uh, Bigfoot uh, footprint connoisseurs, um, his are rather crude looking and you know they they leave like a flat footprint and
1: well you know it was early on in the uh, the hopes footprint uh, stage so.
0: and i don't think i don't think andrew gonzoli from what i read um was really trying to um i, th- I think that he was writing a like a, you know, just a, I don't want to say fluff piece, but like, you know, like a fun article that wasn't supposed to be like an expose or anything. I think it was more or less like, here's the local lore. Isn't this interesting? You know, it's like Sunday afternoon reading type of thing. And I don't think that he was expecting to be, you know, the ground zero of this cultural phenomenon that Bigfoot became, but uh, there's another thing that happened about you know, nine years after this. And that's going to really, make bigfoot the national phenomenon that bigfoot is now and that has to do with roger patterson and his friend bob gimlin and they were making their own bigfoot documentary slash movie docudrama if you will
1: and i mean really i think everyone has pretty much seen this whether they realize it or not
0: right right it's it that that iconic pose with like the the bigfoot who has the, the, s- the
1: slowly
0: swaying arms. And uh, you know, it's kind of like a dark fur. And so that this is the so-called Patterson Gimlin film, and that will be filmed in 1967. Mm -hmm. And once that hits and to the, literally to the day he dies, Roger Patterson will not recant that he thinks that this is an authentic piece of film. He, He goes to his grave saying, this is, this is a real thing. Bob Gimlin is, this moment still alive and but Bob Giblin has actually only given a couple of interviews and doesn't really talk to the press a lot and there's it's a controversial thing you know it it's it's kind of a litmus test I think if you think the Patterson-Gimlin film is fake yes yes
1: Uh, I was just sorry you finish your thought
0: I think if you think that I think that it's one of those things like if you you can ask someone like what do you think of the Patterson-Gimlin film and you could probably automatically know if they're like a Mulder or a Scully you know what I mean
1: or how deep they are to know that the Patterson Gimlin film is a Bigfoot film. I'm like right. yeah, I saw we, it last week it was awesome.
0: <laughs> right. If you can say the words Patterson Gimlin Mulder and Scully together and they know what you're talking about, they're probably a friend of ours.
1: So, um do you purposely bring everything back to 1967?
0: Uh, hey, I'm j- <laughs> I'm just reporting the facts here. And so- this is
1: not the first time that you've uh, managed to bring us back to our friend the mothman
0: that's right that's right no not intentionally and i'm i'm actually except for right now i'm not going to mention baltimore today i don't think
1: okay well this is bigfoot show and
0: <laughs> right big bigfoot has not been spotted you know um walking around falls point that i'm aware of
1: yep he was in hagerstown maryland so <laughs> no not hagerstown i think he was in westminster and maybe hagerstown so who knows, who knows? so but you know, this idea of Bigfoot, this later idea of Bigfoot, isn't the first time Bigfoot has been around. So in North America, <laughs> Bigfoot gets for, around for some time, especially in the Northwest United States and Canada, Bigfoot enthusiasts might use the word Sasquatch. I'm sure most people have heard the word Sasquatch. The word Sasquatch um, came into use in the 1930s, actually. In the 1930s, when Indian agent J.W. Burns, who had been assigned to the Sotelish, uh First Nation in Canada, he published stories that were shared with him um, from the people that were within the agency. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, when I'm saying Indian agent or Indian agencies, in the 1930s, This would have been a time in both the U.S. and Canada when Indigenous people were put, we sometimes call it the reservation period, when Indigenous people were taken off their land in an effort to and as sir i'll have a quote here from prime minister sir john a macdonald and he says this the great aim of our legislation has been to do away with the tribal system and assimilate the indian people in all respects with the other inhabitants of the dominion as speedily as they are fit to change so an indian agent would have been someone who was in charge of the agency so was assigned by the government to make sure that people stayed where they were put um, and make sure that they assimilate. So it's pretty uh, villainous, really, that they told him these stories, and then he goes ahead and he publishes them. Because for them, this, and his name wasn't Sasquatch, it's Saskets, which is a word that means hairy people not hairy as in bearded and furry, but long hair. They're tall and they have long hair. They're special, <laughs> sacred beings. And I don't want to use the word sacred like we think of sacred like God, but they are sacred beings that had a close relationship with the people. And and Eric loves this because when I read this, it made me laugh. Because not that, that I think it's funny that they have a belief that caskets sask- could move through physical and spiritual worlds, but that but Eric I've been pushing constantly that. has been pushing this on me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> John, but I, without, I have a bumper sticker on my car This is John Keel was right. You know that, right?
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. as, as, as Bigfoot as an interdimensional creature. So that's what he, his theory is with this. So when I read that, I'm like, oh, I know who's going to love this idea.
0: I have my reasons. I'll get into them later.
1: This is published and this mispronunciation, who knows why, it becomes the dominant word. So the dominant word is Sasquatch. Now there are stories from nations, indigenous people, all the way, pockets of stories that are very similar, but mostly in the Pacific Northwest. Do we have stories that seem closest to the way we think of Bigfoot in a modern sense? So this Sasquatch, Sasket becomes what we say. So I'm thinking that your 1958 prank, he probably absolutely had heard of this story because this became pretty popular. Now, to be fair, I think that J.W. Burns said he believed it. He said that he believed it was possible and there was a possibility of it. Hmm. And I can go on a little more later. So... They're not the only West Coast nation with stories of a hairy man. And one nation that I found particularly interesting, their stories, was the Tool River tribe of California. Their modern tribal boundaries are adjacent to where their ancestors, the Yokuts, would have lived. And next to that tribal boundary is something called Painted Rock. And I'm gonna guess you can probably deduce you're fine. Here's the you can use your powers of deduction (laughs) (laughs) that this features pictographs, and I'm you probably know where I'm going now. Um, Oh, yep, you're right. I hear (laughs) you. One of these pictographs is a hairy humanoid figure, and this hairy humanoid figure is not alone. He has another smaller hairy humanoid figure with him, and then an even tinier hairy humanoid figure. So he's a whole Bigfoot family. Along with these pictures, we are able, because ethnographers collected stories from the Tool River tribe, and they believe this is a modern story because they don't have anything before 1940, doesn't mean they didn't exist. Because for many reasons, Indigenous people weren't always willing to share, many reasons considering that their beliefs and traditions were often outlawed, um, didn't share these stories. So while they're calling it a modern story, we don't know how old it is. But the story, it is that the hairy man, this giant hairy man, helps the animals to form human beings. And humans are created by the animals. And coyote He's a crafty one. Uh, Lots of indigenous cultures have trickster figures, and a lot of them have coyote. Um, It doesn't explicitly say this, but coyote is known as crafty. And coyote thinks that humans should walk on four feet like him. But Harry man looks at his two legs, his two strong legs and thinks that we, like him, should be walking on two. And so the coyote's like, let's race, let's see who's fastest. Now, Harry man knows that coyote's gonna trick him. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, let's race. And when coyote races off, Harry man's like, okay, okay, other animals, let's start to build these humans. And he does. And so he helps with condor and I think eagle, they get together and they build humans. But when we're done, instead of being happy to meet our creators, uh, when we see hairy man coming up to greet us, this hairy man, uh, we run. So
0: and we've been doing that ever since. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah.
1: right. And he's really sad, and that's why he cries. So they say that's why he has tears is because you know we didn't want to meet him.
0: And but some accounts of Bigfoot have him not as the sad kind of you know creature. No, absolutely. Yeah, there's some that are that seem more like uh, scary stories, really.
1: And some nations have those, but mm-hmm. not these two particular stories. I kind of yeah. love that
0: story, though. Actually, I, <laughs> there's something about it I do like.
1: And I and I often wonder, Eric, and I have to kind of wonder if when these stories from the indigenous people mixed with European stories, they saw them in a different way, right? Well, mm. hmm, let's see. But we're uh, so like. I don't know how many people are familiar with Hildegard of Bingen, Hildegard von Bingen.
0: I love Hildegard von Bingen. Yeah,
1: I know you. So she had these visions. So she was an abbess of her time. She was a musician. She was – a, a doctor really, of
0: sorts. She was a, a, she did medical. They called church.
1: her a doctor of the church yeah. too, but.
0: Well, and that's a different thing. That just means yeah. that her. Yeah. 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 In With, the church were. Um, I think
1: that was anyway, I'm not going to go down there. Like, I, that, was wasn't, she, yes. that wasn't oh, that far. That was like 2012 or anyway. So <laughs> carry on. <laughs> we're going to move past that. So. But she was what, great.
0: Look her up. She's awesome.
1: She is awesome. But she had these visions of Jesus as this blue man surrounded by circles. And, and, you know, that's how she interpreted in her day through her lens. It was a religious experience. If I saw a blue figure materialize in front of me, I don't know that the first thing I think was Jesus. Well, it might be, but not in that way. <laughs> um, I would be really shocked. And I might think aliens. So I think that some of this has to do with the lens of those who were looking at it.
0: You know, John Gill John says that.
1: I'm sure John John Keel says everything Eric.
0: he says every. I know right. And the thing is though, is I do, actually I should be clear about this. I do love reading John Keel's two books that I've read. Um he's I'm not completely signed on. I find his this his, his theories interesting. I find some of the things he's written dubious.
1: Well, you better sign on with that theory because but but happened. that
0: whole no, no, but I think that 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 has some merit, right? That um, you know, who would have been the Fay at another point in European history? become, you know, UFOs at another point in American history. Exactly,
1: And and so I think that perhaps when Europeans with this history of wild men or with this history of different ideas, um, perhaps that's where we're going. Cause you have some stories that are, have a very different feel.
0: I do. I particularly went for stories that were before the Patterson Gimlin film, because once Patterson Gimlin film is made and becomes famous, um, he becomes Bigfoot becomes part of pop culture. And there's movies made, and there's TV shows made, uh, the famous uh, Six Million Dollar Man episode. Um, just, you know, everyone knows who Bigfoot is after that. But the stories that precede that were the ones that I was looking for and thought were interesting. And I found three stories uh, that that really made me go, well, that's interesting. And the first one is recounted by none other than Theodore Roosevelt. Oh. Yes, he wrote. That and makes his, so
1: much sense, though.
0: <laughs> this isn't the first time Theodore Roosevelt gets involved with a, uh, a cryptid. Uh, Theodore Roosevelt was going to lead an expedition in Maryland for the um, the Snallygaster, ah, but he was uh, side. Something else came up that you know something came up in Washington that required him to like actually do statecraft instead of going to hunt monsters in rural Frederick County. But um, so yes, this isn't the first, you know, someone should make that movie, right? Theodore Roosevelt monster hunter Uh, in his book though, the wilderness hunter that was published in 1893. He recounts a story that was told to him by according to Theodore Roosevelt, an old trapper or a mountain man. And he just called this man Bowman. Uh, And allegedly Bauman told him a yarn and he really liked it. But this story is, um, is a little terrifying actually. So when Bauman was a younger man, so I'm going to assume this is the the early part of the 19th century. uh, He was doing some fur trapping with a friend. Uh, They were, they were trapping for beaver. And according to the little excerpt I was reading, it was at the head of the wisdom river. I actually don't know where that is. (laughs) Um, It's out West somewhere. I I'm, I'm on the East coast. So everything's out West somewhere, but anyhow, so Bauman is going for a trapping with his partner and his partner remains unnamed for reasons that we'll talk about in a second, but they are, you know, they're hiking out in the middle of nowhere. Um, they set up camp and then they go to set their traps and they, you know, they set their camp up and they're, they're wandering out. They set their traps and they come back. And they find that their packs have been rifled through. Hmm. That's odd. I guess it was like you know, bear or raccoon or something. But that's it, that isn't the end of that. Turns out that they notice that the tracks around the camp were not made by a four-legged creature, they're made by a two-legged creature. And that really freaks them out. And apparently, there's something about the tracks that lead them to believe they aren't human. Although Roosevelt doesn't specifically say what that thing is, whether it's unusual size or unusual shape, um, we we're kind of left to guess actually. But it freaked them out enough that they they set watch. So they took turns sleeping through the night rather than um, just kind of like go to sleep. And apparently, what they heard was. And this is a quote, a harsh, grating, long-drawn moan, oh. a particularly sinister sound.
1: So you've been taking Bigfoot. What word do you think that would have been? <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. What they were saying is, um, it, now I'm, I'm still learning, but I think okay. that what they were actually saying was my rhinoceros has been parked in.
1: Yeah, it makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a phrase you'll you'll use quite often. This story, wait, the story isn't over though, right? So the next day, believe it or not, they're like, hey, let's go home. This is all freaking us out. So to expedite things, they're like, look, I'll go upriver. I'll get the traps. You break camp. I'll come back and we're going to get out of here. And so Bauman comes back to find that his partner has been killed. Oh, Yeah. I I didn't um, see that coming. (laughs) Yeah. And not only is like he was he was dead and his, you know, according to the tracks, you know, the guy is an experienced woodsman and all that. So he's reading tracks. Apparently, um, his neck was snapped. There were there's there's gouges like teeth marks around his throat, but he's not eaten. uh, But his body is kind of like rolled around and like messed with. Uh, So Bauman hightails it out of there. And this is the story that Roosevelt was told. And the treatment of of this in his book is not one of skepticism. Now, who knows if like Roosevelt was spinning a good yarn? I mean, oh, that's a terrifying one. Or it just seemed plausible to him. Um, Again, we're talking about a man who was going to uh, mount a expedition for the Snallygaster in Maryland. Which, um, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So anyway, so that's that again, that happened. That story was published in the late 19th century in the uh, in 1893. So it's the stories older than that. And I have two more stories that are actually from the other side of the 20th century divide as well. Oh, yes. Yes. And they both happen actually in 1924, strangely enough, both of them.
1: Am I going to guess out west again?
0: No, I actually have locations for these. Well, I have locations for one of them. Okay. Uh, the first one actually is a place called Ape Canyon, which is still a place that you can visit.
1: I'm going to now.
0: Well, it's it's to the east side of Mount St. Helens. I actually Google mapped it and ah. like, looked at it. It is still in the 21st century, the middle of nowhere. And there aren't many middle of nowheres left in the lower 48. Wow. And this place is still the middle of nowhere. Like you know, I, I
1: think there really are. And that's kind of what's beautiful about the Bigfoot sightings considering. But yeah, I'm going there.
0: Oh, that's right. <laughs> right, You're going to talk Maine soon. But okay. So this is like, honestly, there's no towns near uh, Ape Canyon. And I, when I, I did a search for Ape Canyon, and even I did a search of uh, of newspapers as well. Most of the things about Ape Canyon that came back actually weren't about this story at all. It was about why it's a good place to mountain bike and uh, hike. It's apparently very good for that.
1: Except this story tells you why it's not a good place to mountain <laughs> right. bike. Right,
0: but it, yeah, it, it it got its name. From Sorry, the-
1: tourism board. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I'm sure they have. I'm sure they also. When push comes to shove, I'm sure that you get more people going out to Ape Canyon to look for Bigfoot than you have people staying away.
1: And that's it's probably true.
0: The net, yeah, the net total is probably positive, not negative. But Ape Canyon got its name from this story that happened in 1924, and that's why they call it Ape Canyon. And apparently, I think these miners from the accounts that I'm reading, and I read this account in several uh, different sources, the fella who um, talks about is a guy named Fred Beck, and he doesn't seem to be terribly aware of the local um, stories, He seems to be caught off guard by the fact that while he and his friends who are miners, they have like a small mine They're, you know, they're looking for precious metals, I'm going to assume. They're walking through the woods and they see a ape man hiding behind a tree and staring at them. Now, being, you know, men in the 1920s, I guess they decide that, you know, when you see strange things that you should probably shoot them because I think that's what people did in the 20s so they yeah. do uh they shoot this
1: <laughs> of course they do <laughs>
0: right um so <laughs> they, they they shoot it the, with the... tommy
1: guns i mean it's the 20s so that's what
0: i'm <laughs> see <laughs> yeah <laughs> well shoot the guy behind the tree see um yeah so yeah wise guy why is he uh <laughs> they they hit apparently they hit him and he goes running off screaming into the woods and they're kind of like well that was weird some other accounts that I was reading were saying that actually they got one of the apes, you know, the, they're getting followed by more apes at this point. And at one point they literally shoot an ape off of a cliff. And at that point they know that stuff's about to happen, right? It's going down. Um, and so they retreat to a cabin and this cabin, luckily for them, it was rather sturdily built. So the accounts go winters are kind of rough um, up in the mountains. And so it was sturdily built to withstand snow Although when I was in the Pacific Northwest, when I lived there, it didn't snow very much at all, but I lived in Seattle, not like in the mountains. So mm-hmm. I'm sure it's different, but this, this cabin uh, didn't have windows luckily for them because the ape men came at night and at least two of band them. Band
1: name. That's our new band name. Hello.
0: And we're the done. The eight
1: men come at night.
0: The ape <laughs> men came at night. That's it. Glad I could check that box. And they were throwing rocks at the cabin. Um, apparently at one point they even ripped a board off and were like um, reaching in to try to grab the men. The men were firing uh, shots out into the into the night to try to scare them off. And they weren't scared off. And they, it sounds like they had the worst night of their life as the eight men, you know, are waging this assault on their cabin all night and by the time that morning comes and things calm down and quiet down and they feel comfortable enough to stick their heads out they're like we're out of here and they abandon their mine they abandon the site but the canyon is still known as ape canyon to this very day yeah and i maybe by people who don't even read you know know the story about how it got its name
1: probably not
0: and well. the second one that happened was is a canadian man by the name of albert ostman in 1924 and his story is even stranger uh, he actually signs like right, the, the there's a there's a canadian legal term and i forgot to put it in my notes sorry oh. um but the term it's basically an affidavit just um, say
1: it in bigfoot uh, oh there you go
0: mm-hmm. uh so there is a uh, uh he signs an affidavit saying that this happened to him in 1924 but apparently he told the story some decades later i think that it happened to him he says it happened to him while he was young and he didn't want people to think he was nuts and by the time he tells the story he's an old man and he you know he has no more care to give But the story is crazy because he's again out in the woods doing things. I think he's trapping for animals as well, but he's in his sleeping bag and in the middle of the night, he gets scooped up and he feels himself Mm -hmm. get like, uh, you know, he's in the sleeping bag. He can't get out because that whatever has him, has him like kind of pinch the bag shut. He's a
1: sack of potatoes. Yeah, he
0: is a sack of potatoes and he gets carried for some miles and when he finally gets plopped down, according to Mr. Osman, uh, he climbs out of his bag to find that he is in the presence of a daddy Bigfoot, a mama Bigfoot.
1: Maybe that should be our band.
0: <laughs> daddy Bigfoot? Absolutely. So Okay, he, sorry.
1: So there's a Bigfoot, the whole Bigfoot family. Is
0: someone writing all these down, by the way? I hope they are. Um, so there's a Bigfoot family. Yeah, and a boy and a girl, too. Uh, yeah. So there's a whole Bigfoot family, and there he describes their dimensions as very, very large. The, the male is supposed to be over eight feet tall, and he's a hairy biped. Um, <laughs> my favorite part of his account about the the female Bigfoot is that she had bangs. <laughs>
1: You know, I don't know why you're laughing. Female big feet want to be big foot. Sorry, we, we've those are that's a plural word. They want to be stylish too,
0: right? But he, he went he went out of his way to say that, he, that the female had bangs, which just maybe just cracked me up for some reason. Um, so he's he and he's kept there for a couple of days. Now, here's where there's a, again, I'm reading this in multiple sources, and I even found that there is an Albert Ostman. Wikipedia page, although that's not, that wasn't my main source. I use mostly print sources for this, but in one source, it says that the way he got Papa Bigfoot distracted is he gave him snuff and it made him woozy and he was able to escape that way. Um, another account says that he just wandered off after they got uh, used to having him around. And he wasn't any, you know, he was no longer a, a novelty.
1: And he could um, find his way out of the middle of the woods.
0: It, and apparently he, yeah, apparently he found his way, you know, back to, to civilization in some manner. But he was willing to sign a legal document, a legal, legal affidavit to the story. I mean, I'm not trying to convince anybody that he's telling the truth. I don't, I have no idea one way or the other.
1: And that kind of brings up our question, like, so do Bigfoot exist? And, like, I like the possibility because, uh, actually, I just heard about it last year, a story about a man. um, His name's Christopher Knight, and he was known known as the North Pond Hermit. Why am I bringing this up? Because Christopher Knight left his home in Connecticut and decided... Because he
0: was hairy? Was he hairy? No.
1: uh, Well, by the time, after 27 years, because he leaves his home in Connecticut and decides he's going camping in Maine for 27 years. There... Really aren't very many sightings of him. The reason he got caught is because he was burglaring uh, camps, taking quite a bit from summer camps and getting ready for the winter. And they had cameras. And so they found him on camera, breaking in, taking stuff, and eventually found their campsite. There was only one person, I believe, who saw him out in the woods. And they said he kind of put his finger to his lips and said, shh, and the guy acknowledged. But 27 years in the Maine woods, this guy manages to just disappear no one sees him so my thought is, is if a human with our dull senses can manage to hide for 27 years maybe it's possible um there's a, a, hmm? sorry go ahead no you go ahead
0: we're in a strange position where i think that we're in topsy-turvy day because i honestly don't think that bigfoot is a biological creature today
1: you know and i mean there well then how can he be an interdimensional creature eric
0: well that's what i'm saying like maybe he's an interdimensional creature but he's he's not a a creature of this realm the same way that you and i and my
1: cat and and you know know, people have a lot of different ideas here. Um, Mm -hmm. I, for one, am willing to look at the possibility because there are vast wildernesses um, in the United States, in Canada, I mean, in Germany. So we know these countries that have this wild man, there's a lot of places a person can hide. Um, But some people believe that Bigfoot is other things. Like, there's a belief that Bigfoot's actually an alien who has been here since time began. I'm talking to you, YouTube.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Did you watch YouTube videos that said Bigfoot is an alien?
1: I absolutely did it's an hour and 15 minutes so wait, i didn't get through all so of the,
0: it. <laughs> the three men doing bigfoot calls in minnesota that i sent you no nice. <laughs> did you watch any of it
1: i did watch well you know so you know that's a theory he's an okay. alien okay I, I did watch the first part and i was like no so <laughs> others see you were
0: so you were so absolute about it like you were like no
1: we're not yeah, it was the bait right they now. were using that creeped me out. And that was all. So <laughs> others, people see Bigfoot as utterly, literally real. They have evidence, they have photos, they have recordings, they have hair samples. And, you know, of course, the huge footprints. There's a more mundane belief that Bigfoot sightings are actually just bears walking upright, which when you think about it, like if you saw a bear walking upright for a while, that's pretty exciting. But somehow in the, you know, context of Bigfoot, it's disappointing. But I can tell you if I saw a bear walking around, I'd be delighted.
0: I'll <laughs> tell you. I. So I so actually, Bigfoot
1: sightings, even when they're bad, they're good.
0: <laughs> I went hiking in the Katmai Peninsula up in Alaska
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I saw bears. I saw grizzly bears. So that park is a phenomenal. If you, it, It's hard to get to, but it is so worth the trip. It has more bears per square mile than any place in North America. And when you go there, they train you like what to do because they're like, when you see a bear, it's not if, it's when. And I'll tell you this, like I saw bears and I never once mistook it for a humanoid. I'm sorry. I'm doing that thing again. Have like you a, seen
1: them walking around? Because I think, you know, when they're walking around from a distance, like you could make that. Especially, you know, you have... I a little, think I
0: did. I don't have a clear memory of it because I've, I've seen... And that's not the first place. Well, I lived
1: in Colorado and I've uh-huh. seen bears um, right. in the I neighborhood saw grizzlies in Wyoming, hanging too. out in the backyard. So, mm-hmm. you know, do they exist? Uh, I Do not bears exist? No, bears definitely exist. And actually, I'm glad <laughs> you said that, even though you're being a smart aleck. I'm glad you said that because I almost forgot that um, there's been some scientists because people are actually taking samples and bringing them to scientists and some scientists will take them and they found out a lot of it is bear hair this cracks me up some of it was cow hair
0: <laughs> oh <laughs> like, wow
1: i don't think of cows as being well maybe it was like not I don't, highland cows i right. don't know I was thinking, yeah. <laughs> like, but i don't think so Particularly um foot cow. so there's been different analysis of samples of bigfoot hair and some of the scientists were saying they're they like it They like the idea of cryptozoology because it gets people interested in being outdoors. It keeps people interested in taking these samples. It gets people interested in science. People who are worried about Loch Ness Monster get worried about the water and the water quality. And so, you know, if you believe in Bigfoot, then you want to make sure Bigfoot has an environment. So it's good for the environment. It's good for science. Bigfoot's a
0: gateway to environmentalism.
1: Yeah. So, you know, does he exist? I know that he exists in our popular culture. I know that he exists in our collective unconscious. Does he exist in
0: your heart, Becca?
1: Well, yeah. So, I get really, if Bigfoot exists, I mean, I think it's anything that you take on faith. That, you know, just does religion exist? Well, should atheists not study religion? You know, I don't believe that because if you don't understand religion, you're going to have a hard time understanding, you know, History, when it comes to like Europe in the 1600s, right? (laughs) 17th century, 18th century, you're going to have a really hard time understanding. So I feel like... Or even modern
0: politics, really.
1: Exactly. So whether or not Bigfoot exists, Bigfoot has value in a lot of different ways.
0: I found something that I was just absolutely delighted by while I was doing research. Yes. This... This is one of my favorite facts that this is my fact of of the month. Now, this is my favorite fact that I've learned. Did you know that Bigfoot had an FBI file?
1: Yes, I did actually.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that awesome? Yeah. they declassified it so that you can, you too can now, um, you know, uh, look over Bigfoot's um, FBI file, which. I'm not going to
1: say whether it's exciting or not. I'm going to leave it to our listeners. Um, So. I think that's us for today. And I want to thank everybody for listening. We have an Instagram page, which is just Jackalope Carnival. So please come look at it. Give us ideas. Say hello. And yeah, thanks for listening. Am I
0: signing off in Bigfoot today?
1: That was excellent. See you in two weeks.
0: Take care, folks. Oh,
1: but what what in the world is that?
0: That means bring the waiter some cheese.
1: Oh goodness.
0: Here, wait, wait, how about this one?
1: mm mm-hmm.